This is Comic Picks by the Glick, and my name is John Murphy, and this is Jason Glick. Hey, and here I am. You know, it's like, I was at Anime Expo a couple weeks ago, it's like, I made the mistake of going to Dark Horse, guys at Dark Horse Comics, and just saying, hey, you guys do great stuff, and I'd like to buy some stuff from you, but I actually can't, because I already own most of the stuff you're selling right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Release more, please. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it would have been... As opposed to Viz, who brings out um, pretty stuff to every Comic Con, I mm. couldn't buy anything from Dark Horse because I pretty much own all the stuff in theirs that I that I read. Yeah, you're the best. You're their best compliment, man. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's like to be honest. Like um, Dark Horse, Dark Horse manga is probably the um, the company that I that I own more manga from than any other company. Cause, like they are, they cater spe- mostly specifically to my tastes. Okay. I mean, it's like with and it's also because they generally release the um, dark, violent. Dark, violent, gritty um, stuff, just and also science fiction related. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. more more stuff like that than any of the other companies as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, because Dark Horse has been made a mint off selling stuff that appeals more to like the uh, like the people who frequent comic shops, like guess like me, I, I guess. But generally, it's like they've all, there's also a good good amount of substance to pretty much every all the titles they've released over the years, and uh, like that's that's one of the reasons that like, I I keep I keep buying their stuff. Year after year after year, and more than any, any other company, I look forward to hearing what they've announced, like for future manga licenses, than just about everyone else. So, have they been doing? Um, Dark House has been doing uh, manga since the very beginning of their existence, or that they just they cut into it just recently, or how'd that run? They've been doing this since uh, like the end of the '80s, I believe. The first title was like a god. Like a Godzilla manga. I think it was like the adaptation of Godzilla in 1985. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the one that actually starred Raymond Burr. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like they've, and like, well, manga isn't their primary fo- focus since they're act, they are a, an American comic book company. Mm-hmm. They've been, they've released a, like a slow and steady stream of like, of good stuff. Like, it hasn't always been classics, but a lot of this stuff that's, isn't good enough to survive, like, for, for like, um, almost, Almost coming up on fifteen twenty years now. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Because like as far as like the longest running title, it, that 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 honor goes to um, Kosuke Fujishima's Oh My Goddess. Okay. Yeah, I actually have the first volume. I picked up at a, a book off in Costa Mesa, and it's uh, and it's the first manga, uh, the the Dark Horse one. Yeah, um, and it's it's good stuff. I mean, it's like. It's certainly like a forerunner of a lot of the um, otaku-friendly titles that it received today. It's, I mean, it's also one of the first like harem manga style things because uh-huh. even though it's like it's it focuses on um, Keichi Morisato, like uh, this this schlub who winds up um, actually dialing into this to this goddess hotline and like and something of a goddess Bell Dandy um, who greets Grant in one wish. Mm-hmm. His one wish being, "I wish that a goddess like you would stay by my side always." Mm-hmm. Yes, and this leads to like lots of wacky hijinks. As as he tri- as he tries to actually like um, improve his relationship with Bell Dandy, and also has to contend all the um, weirdness that she brings into his life with with um her with her, with her, with her own godly nature and the, and of her sisters, the uh, the sultry um, half half goddess, half demon Erd, and, and Skold. yes, the uh, the one who's always got all all the crazy gadgets and stuff. Mm-hmm, that's yeah. right. And it's like it's. Even though it's, to be honest, like the more I've read of Oh My Goddess over the years, like the more I feel it's like strengths line, like simple single issue stories where you just like we just like get, like a nice little nice little one off idea about them them using um let's see like scratch that let me just say that, like they're they're um the strengths are when they keep more to like um 
slice of life type stuff as opposed to like big giant world ending stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there have been a few storylines where they've tried where like they have like face the face the destruction of the world, but generally it's like it's more fun when you see when we see um that they're trying to uh, just infuse a bit of like weirdness in, into modern life, like with. With like Earth Urge devices, Scold's potions, and also all the all the weird people who inhabit um, Keiichi's um, motor club. Yeah, and more refreshingly, it's like it's as the series goes on, like it focuses less and less on you know it's like are they actually going are Keiichi and uh, Beldani actually going to find a confessor love to each other? But it gets to the point where it's like that kind of becomes mostly a non-issue. Like you're going to stay together, and even if, like it's there's no actual well consummation. Uh-huh. It's like it's. They get the feeling that they, they that you know that they do love each other, and that that's that's pretty much like, like it's just going to be staying together for the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the uh, the OAVs were based off of, the, and then the TV yeah. series that recently came yeah, there's out. Been plenty, yeah, plenty of anime based off of, of this as well. Right. Speaking of um, anime, that's um it's based off one of their mangas. Let's see. We've also talked about another series that on our anime podcast that's that's getting an anime adaptation. That would be Blade of the Immortal, mm-hmm. which. Opinions may differ, but for me, this is my all-time favorite um, Dark Horse manga series. Uh-huh. To boil it down for you, it's basically the story of an immortal samurai, Manji, who basically who hooks up with a girl um, named Rin, whose whose son was killed at the at the hands of a maverick samurai faction, the Ito Ryu, led by a man named Anotsu Kagehisa. Anotsu's plan is to basically unite all the sword schools in Japan under his under his own rule. To uh, just to show that um, strength is best. I mean, like all all the formality and courtesy and chivalry that that the social schools have today means nothing if you're not the strong strongest one of all. Gotcha. And that's why that's why um, Rin, Rin's father. That's why her. That's why his social school is crushed underneath him. So she hires Manji to to basically to to um to kill on to kill on so and get and get her vengeance against against them. Now, if that was all there was to the series, it's like you. It wouldn't be worth mentioning. I mean, it'd just be like another another Shonen Jump wannabe right. that that be, that that wouldn't be worth anyone's time. Like battle after battle after battle, and that'd be about it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What makes Blade of the Immortal great is that it's constantly playing with who has the moral superiority in it in just about every given situation. There's always like it's never entirely clear who's who's in the right in most in almost every situation, especially when Rin finally gets a chance to come face to face with Anotsu. And basically, he basically tells her, "Hey, you know what? Yeah, it's like I know you think I'm the best guy in the world, but you know what? Until I ch- until I achieve my goals, so what? Oh yeah, and you know that special technique you've got? So she's got this just this like thing where she like flings a bunch of daggers at her opponents. She's like, you know, that's that's heresy in the eyes of your father, father's school. You're halfway to becoming one of us already. <laughs> and it's just beautiful. Like after he says that, he turns he turns his back on her, and she's." Trying to throw some of the will to throw these daggers, but she just can't do it. Hmm. And it's moments like that that just get to the heart of the moral core of the series that just really that really grab you and make you want to know what's going to happen next. I mean, it's it's just it's great seeing how like how how the relationship develop between all the characters develop over time. Because aside from Manji and Rin, you also get the uh, Mugai Ryu, a series group of assassins who have. Who have been who are working for the shogunate? Who are basically like a death row criminals who are um, working towards pardons. But hmm. um, while some of them are actually noble, others have um, really deserve to stay on death row. Mm-hmm. And then the mem- also the members of the Ito Rio themselves aren't necessarily all bad people as well. I mean, they're just 
They're just swordsmen who just don't don't fit in with the, like the rest of the rest of the um, Edo era society that Blade of the Mortals comes from. Yeah. Now I will say that the current storyline, I'm best referred to as the prison arc, which has Manji um, kidnapped by members of the Shogunate and basically has them experimenting on him to find out his, his the secrets of his immortality. Um, isn't the best part of the series, but I will. It's it's still as far as Blade of the Mortal goes. I feel I still feel it's executed in a in a compelling fashion, and even even if it's not the best arc of the series, it's still um, better than a lot of other people's best efforts. Mm-hmm. So really, it's like there's anything you're going to buy from this podcast, buy Blade of the Immortal. <laughs> yeah, you'd say, yeah, you might say, hey, Jason, it's 19 volumes. I say, yeah, that's like 19 volumes of pure pure manga goodness right there for you to pick up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, moving on, like, as far as buying stuff goes, I've been informed that Dark Horse's um, most popular, most successful manga series, um, just about ever, is um, Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's um, written by Kazuo Koike, illustrated by Gosuke Kojima, mm-hmm. and it's a story of, a, of an assassin, um, Ito Ogami, who is, no, not assassin, scratch that, he was, he's a shogun's executioner, mm-hmm. um, who was, he was framed for um, trying to kill the shogun. And instead of actually taking his life, taking his life and just like a, like a good retainer would, he basically says, hey, screw you guys. I'm going to become an assassin. I'm going to find out people who – I find out exposed people who did this to me and get my revenge. And basically the fun part is that while he gave a choice between his son to his son between um, coming along and um, and I'm um, just dying right there. And keep in mind that his son is – when he chose this, was like, like a few weeks old at best. <laughs> his son, like, like Ido goes up, here, here's the ball. Here's the ball. Daigo, here's the sword. Which one do you want? <laughs> so, so Daigoro goes over to the sword and says, oh, son, you wish you'd, wish you'd chosen the ball, but now you're going to come with me on the road to hell as I, as I see my vengeance against these people. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the whole Lone Wolf and Cub relationship. It's Ito Ogami and his son traveling the, the assassin's road to hell mm-hmm. as he tries to find the evidence, evidence and revenge against the people who framed him. Now, the, seri- now, the series is 28 volumes long, so mm-hmm. it's extremely popular in Japan. Mm-hmm. But e- the thing is, like, even though it's 28 volumes, I mean, it's not, it's not all, like, plot advancement from those parts. I mean, like, the first, like, I good ha- first half of the series is basically, like, Ito, like, I'm, I'm going through, like, lots of Edo-era Japan and just, like, I'm exploring the culture there. I mean, like, you, mm-hmm. there's a, the, the best part about the series, like, for the most part, I'm, a, I'm, 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 I'm of the opinion of, is that it? It's probably the best exa- examination of the of the samurai lifestyle you could see it. You'd see in manga. So he travels around, kind of like um, what's that one? Uh, uh, samurai shampoo. They're just walking around, just doing their business, <laughs> only without all the hip hop. Oh, without the hip hop, right? Exactly. Yeah, because it's it's more like the you, there was the experience. You get a window into what what society was like back then, mm-hmm. and also plenty of um, unique and interesting stories, such as when when each window comes across a comes across a Buddhist trickster who basically tells him, challenges him to give up the sword and say, hey, you know what? You're, you're not doing anyone any favors by this. If you can beat me in a fight, um, you can try it. It's like, then, then, you, then I'll let you go on. Because mm-hmm. this is the guy who makes his living by, by sitting at a table with a, with, a hole in, with a hole in it so he can just move his head and avoid getting hit by people for money. <laughs> oh, God. So naturally, it's like Ito has to um, go... Try and I like, kill this guy in order to move on. And then you also got another a Buddhist, another Buddhist teacher who basically um, tells, basically like he was just like leading a, a rebel sect, and Ido was hired to kill him. But Ido finds out that this guy can't he can't kill him because the guy 
this guy doesn't project any um, any aura at all. He's just his his inner soul is so calm hmm. that that you know has to talk to the guy and has to find out. Well, how can I kill you? How do I do this? And the guy tells him, "Well, you got to I've learned um, you have to learn, learn, learn the teachings of, of the Buddha." Okay. I wish I could remember the exact thing something he says, like but that. But it's but it's a lot of fun to see to see like him to see him like explore the society and just like find it just like all these little facets of. Of era, era era life in Japan. And what about the? That's the first half of the set. Right? Yeah, the second. Yeah, basically, like after after a while, though, it's like yes, she actually does get a plot and like and well, more straightforward plot anyway. As as you know, gets a lead on the um on the Yagyu clan who who set him up and actually finds out their secrets mm-hmm. and basically it's just about destroying them, trying to find a way to destroy them and and achieve his vengeance. Now it doesn't go exactly as planned, mm-hmm. but it's. But it wouldn't have been any fun if it did. And by the way, he's still to- he's still towing around his his kid. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> plenty of fun of, with with Daigoro as well because there are plenty of people who do try to like um, save Daigoro and want to bring him over to like a nice normal life. But no, Daigoro, it's like they can tell him by looking in his eyes that no, he's destined to spend the rest of his time with his dad there mm-hmm. on the Assassin's Road to Hell. Mm. God, Long Wolf Cup was so successful that. Um, Kazuo Kueke titles have become a, a cottage industry for Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the only other the only other title they released um, flipped though was um, Samurai Executioner, mm-hmm. story like I got the story of a uh, of another of another uh, sat, um, executioner for for the Shogun, um, Kubikiri Asa, and he it's like it's more of like a like a procedural type story just him just him like encountering like a criminal and just finding out the the story behind him and then just killing him. It's it's good stuff. I mean, it's like if you they say if you like once you get the formula if you like the formula of Kazuo Koike's stories, then like the rest of his stuff become again the rest of his stuff becomes almost a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Okay, now as far as other like notable um, titles from Dark Horse's past, you get um, You're Under Arrest, two volumes of You're Under Arrest, mm-hmm. which um, they released um, prior to like around the time of Oh My Goddess. Mm-hmm. Now like there's, there's it's a fun little series. Like it's if you've seen the manga, it's like I'm sure you'll enjoy this. Also, um, Shadow Star, one of the um, Unfortunate titles from their Super Manga Blast anthology that didn't last long enough mm-hmm. to um, um to get the entire series reprinted over here. It's mm-hmm. really great, disturbing stuff. About now, now, when you, earlier you said that these were flipped, right? So all yes. these are these are put in order from left to right. Yeah, um, I should probably should have said this beginning. All the Dark Horse titles I'm talking about right now, they are all you can all they're all flipped so that you read them normally from left to right. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, flip meaning because manga. For everyone that doesn't know, manga is printed in right to left. In right to left. Yeah, but there's there's a time, believe it or not, back in the er- early days when like they had to flip all this stuff, or else American audiences wouldn't buy it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and also another probably like the most obscure title from Dark Horses um, that they've released in recent years is um, the Two Faces of Tomorrow, a great hard science fiction story. It's a great meta premise about um, a bunch of scientists who they figure like, hey, you know what? Um, we, we're trying to like introduce a new AI in order to our to the to uh, the system that governs Earth here, but we got to find out whether or not it's actually going to go insane and try to take take us over. So we're going to um, try test out this artificial intelligence on a on a space station to see if it goes insane and tries to kill us all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's a clever premise, and I wish I wish I'd done a bit bit more to play with it because naturally the the AI does doesn't quite go insane; it just starts responding to ex, to its um. The, the humans' attempts to pro- provoke it into going insane extremely well, hmm. but it's a good, it's a good um, hard hard SF tale. It'll appeal to anyone who's got like a good, 
has good like um who appreciates good old school science fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, and um, another one of um, Dark Horse, um, another author who's become a cottage industry for Dark Horse is a Mazumini Shiro, who's reached. Uh. Who you've probably like, familiar with a lot of his anime adaptations, such as Appleseed, Dominion, and of course Ghost in the Shell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now let me just say that that with most exceptions, Shiro um, tends to be far too complex for his own good. I mean, <laughs> you'll hear most people talk about how great his art is, how detailed it is, and mm-hmm. kinetic. Yeah. But really, you don't hear anyone talk about, hey, you know what? I really like Shiro's storytelling. Let's try to imitate that as well. Mm-hmm. That's because Mazumi Shiro loves to go into god-awful amounts of detail about the physics, the, the belief systems, the politics of all worlds he creates. Philosophies. Yes. Yeah. He's it's, very much into that. And it's... it's reminds of, Winds up um, um, just polluting a lot of his good stuff. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. there's, in Appleseed, that stuff actually, yes, there's actually a point to that stuff. I mean, that you read the stuff and it actually makes sense. It mm-hmm. just takes a lot of work to pay attention. Right. With Dominion, though, um, both um, the original Dominion series and Conflict One, No More Noise, those are the highlights of his series because of it, no, highlights of his entire output because it highlights his sociopathic sense of humor, where basically you just give, give the police a bunch of tanks and just let them go and act enact justice in any way they see fit. You know, it's like, hey, sc- hey criminal rights? Screw that, man. They're criminals. They don't deserve rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's great sociopathic fun. Mm-hmm. Ghost in the Shell, however, is, I found thoroughly disappointing. Because, oh, really? Yeah, because I, I'll admit, most of my bias against the first Ghost in the Shell series comes from watching the movie, then buying the manga, expecting to see more of the stuff that I saw in the movie. I got something that was far too, that was like, much much more complex, much more goofy, and just like a lot less focused than what you saw in the movie. Mm. Overall, I felt the movie did a great job of taking the best bits of the manga and just making a good cohesive story out of them. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... I don't know. It's like it's... I wouldn't say it's entirely bad, but overall I have... I, I have a hard time recommending it. Okay. That's in contrast to um, the the sequel series, Ghost in the Shell 2, Man Machine Interface, which for me stands as the worst manga I have ever read from Dark Horse. Because yeah. all, all the stuff I hate about that annoys me about Shiro, like his, his needless complexity and um, his innocency to, um, I don't know. Over-philosophize? Yeah, just stuff like that. Uh-huh. And just like, it just cranks it all the way up to 11, because I swear to God, I have no goddamn idea what this manga is about. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got a vague tie-in to the original series. I mean, I think the main character is supposed to be a Motoko from the original series, but she's been changed through her um, merging with the Puppet Master, or something like that. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I read the series twice, and it's like, I still could make heads or tails of this. I mean, it's... It's so it's absolutely impenetrable. I mean, if you did have a vested interest, in what Shiro's going off about here, then then you're going to be completely lost. And what's worse is that there's not there aren't any characters or situations you can try to latch onto to try and get find a way into this world. I mean, it's like he's just telling you he's just it's a Shiro ranting ranting on for over three hundred pages about stuff that interests him. <laughs> and God, I so glad I didn't pay money for this. I just borrowed it from a friend. <laughs> anyway. But hey, that's that's just me. And like, like I said, there's plenty of other good stuff 
in the old school of Dark Horse that you can get, get your hands on. Gotcha. Yeah. Next week, though, we're talking about um, moving to the more modern era and talking about the uh, all the flipped titles, unflipped titles that Dark Horse has been produced. Like now that they've now that they've shown that reading stuff right to left um, isn't um, can be acceptable to, to modern audiences. Cool. Okay. Well, and uh, that'll wrap it up for this time. We'll see you next time. Later's.